Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Thursday, April 27th, 2023. It's been 3,347 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 428 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, the heaviest fighting continues to be limited to the Bakhmut and Marinka operational areas. Second, due to continued poor weather, flooding, and saturated soil, we find it unlikely that Ukrainian offensive operations can start before mid-May, with weather models starting to look somewhat encouraging. Third, we maintain that Russian offensive operations in the Svatva and Kremina operational areas have culminated. Fourth, the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and have exhausted their combat potential except in the Bakhmut operational area. Fifth, we maintain the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut has reached its final phase and Ukrainian forces continue to execute a planned retrograde operation. Sixth, we maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, also known as seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. And finally, the use of alternative private military companies, or PMCs, and the lack of support by Russian airborne, or VDV, forces caused PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin to lash out at the Kremlin indicating the rift isn't as healed as originally thought. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units were on the offensive in the Masyutivka area. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units there also conducted offensive operations in the Krochmalna area. Kharkiv Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Ole Sinyubov provided some confirmation that there is more activity than what is being reported officially by the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, saying, quote, Fighting continues on the front line. The defenders of the Kharkiv region reliably hold their positions. End quote. Russian mercenary mill blogger Rivar also reported mutual reconnaissance and reconnaissance in force activity. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevati reported that from Dvorichna to Bilohorivka, 
Russian forces fired 379 artillery shells, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, carried out three airstrikes. Ukrainian sources did not report any significant fighting in Luhansk, while Russian sources reported only positional fighting, artillery strikes, and counterbattery along the line of conflict. Assessment here. With the front frozen and the Russian offensive culminated, the recent combat reports from Russian sources are attempting to create the illusion that significant Russian offensive operations are still ongoing. To achieve this, they're reporting every engagement, no matter how small. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units were engaged in offensive operations near Novoselivsky. In the Kremina operational area, Russian military mill blogger Wargonzo reported that Russian units went on the offensive near Makievka, and the attack failed. The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive near Chervonopopivka. Ukrainian officials convinced another civilian to evacuate from Makievka due to near-constant shelling. Only 29 residents remain, mostly farmers and pensioners who do not want to leave their livestock. Near Kremina, there was positional fighting on the western edge of the forests and in the Serebryansky woods south of the city. In the Lesychansk operational area, Wargonzo claimed that Russian forces attacked near Bilohorivka in Luhansk and were repulsed by Ukrainian troops. In northeast Donetsk, there were no changes to the map today, with PMC Wagner unable to make any documented gains. The Russian MOD reported that their forces completed 59 fire missions in the Bakhmut operational area and four Army Aviation and VKS close air support sorties. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin exploded in an audio statement and appeared to confirm some of our earlier assessments, saying, quote, The Ukrainian armed forces are fully ready to go and cut the flanks. No one was covering our flanks. All the talks about prevented attempt of deploying reserves in Bakhmut is complete shit. Not a single serviceman made a single shot. No one is giving ammunition to use, neither to them. The criminal command to not give ammo. The ammo is accumulated in stockpiles, in masses, like I said before. The number of people in Wagner PMC is drying up. Dead, wounded, and those who left after the end of their contract. End quote. Prigozhin ranted about Polish mercenaries and how Ukrainian Special Operations Forces, or SOF, are now leading the fight, causing a 1 to 5 loss ratio, adding, quote, We have nothing to destroy the enemy artillery with. End quote. The PMC Wagner leader then fires a shot directly at Shoigu, closing with, quote, The betrayal within the Russian Federation is taking place. We are not allowed to create defense and advance further. We will last another two to three weeks until the last bullet remains in the rifle magazine. End quote. Some assessment here. The best disinformation is rooted in truth. It is unlikely that PMC Wagner is suffering from an ammunition shortage. However, Ukrainian forces are conducting highly effective counter-battery missions, particularly in Klishivka. In previous situation reports, we indicated that PMC Wagner lacked the forces to complete an operational encirclement of Bakhmut, and that the northern flank was increasingly exposed. We also assessed that Wagner Group would lose thousands of mercenaries in May, with the largest group of recruits signing six-month contracts in October 2022. 
PMC Wagner already faces a personnel issue that will become a significant problem within two to three weeks. Prigozhin's frustration was likely fueled by the arrival of Ukrainian SOF commander Brigadier General Viktor Khorenko on April 25th, who visited with his troops by driving into and out of the city. Prigozhin had already complained that PMC Reddit, PMC Wolf, and PMC Nevsky were placed on the flanks, and all three failed. Gazprom CEO Alexei Miller, a bitter rival of Prigozhin, runs PMC Reddit. Our February 2023 assessment that Reddit was created for the internal security of Gazprom resources and assets was wrong. PMC Nevsky is the former Nevsky Brigade. Our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, and failed Mobik Igor Strelkov-Girkin originally supported the brigade as a volunteer unit and disavowed his connection in March 2023. We don't really know that much about PMC Wolf. Reddit is reportedly ill-trained and underarmed and an ineffective fighting force. Nevsky and Wolf reportedly abandoned their positions en masse. The Russian Airborne Forces, or VDV, as we reported, not only stopped offensive operations, but lost territory west of the Seversky Donetsk Donbass Canal, in the western part of Sakui Vanceti, and north of Orikhovo Vasilivka. PMC Wagner has been forced to reallocate their limited forces on both the northern and southern flanks due to the failures of the three PMCs and the inaction of Russian forces. Some more assessment. This should not be interpreted as good news. The situation remains extremely critical for Ukrainian forces, and this positioning by Prigozhin is likely about setting conditions in the information space on why it's taking so long to capture Bakhmut. The siege will enter its ninth month next week. There is probably some truth that Russian forces are accumulating ammunition in anticipation of the upcoming Ukrainian offensive. Northwest of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner led attacks in the directions of Orekhovo, Vasilivka, and Bohdanivka, ending in failure. The most intense fighting is north of Romove, with PMC Wagner reportedly throwing, quote, everything they have at Ukrainian defenses. Russian proxy forces reached the T-506 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, but could not maintain the positions. For the second time in a month, we are walking back our assessment that the G-lock is severed. It is reportedly still open, but very challenging to use. Rybars claim that Russian proxy forces have entered Romova was already dismissed as false by PMC Wagner. Given the reports the road is still usable, Rybar's earlier claim that the Russian VKS destroyed the engineered bridge over the wash to the Pivnichny Reservoir was likely false. The heaviest fighting within Bakhmut was west of the railroad tracks, with PMC Wagner not making any significant gains. Ukrainian military leaders report that Russian shelling is endless, contrary to Prigozhin's claims, and that Russian forces have started using thermobaric rockets fired from the TOS-1 Multiple Launch Rocket System, or MLRS. In the southern part of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner has moved to strategic defense, unable to conduct more than one or two point attacks concurrently. Ukrainian forces still control schools 2 and 40, the area around the former MiG-17 statue, and have maintained access to the T-504 Highway G-Lock the so-called Road of Life. PMC Wagner attempted to advance toward Ivanivske and retake lost positions and was unsuccessful. 
In the Kostyantonivka operational direction, Ukrainian forces repulsed a PMC Wagner attack near Klishivka. The mercenaries are trying to push back Ukrainian forces out of the highlands near the Siversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal and reduce the amount of counter-battery. West of Bakhmut on the H-20 highway G-Lock, Druzhkivka was hit by two Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack. Seven residential buildings were damaged, as was the police station, wounding three officers. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, the operational tempo remains low. The 1st Army Corps attempted a direct attack on Avdiivka despite poor soil conditions, and they were unsuccessful. Fighting in the no-man's land between Vodyana and Sievrne continued, with no change in the situation. The GSAFU reported fighting, quote, near Pervomaiske, and Worgonzo reported a failed Russian attack, quote, in the direction of the settlement. Assessment here. We are increasingly convinced that Ukraine has full control of Pervomaiske to the E-50 ring road due to the language used by Russian and Ukrainian sources. We cannot adjust the map, however, without pictures, videos, or a third-party source. The 1st Army Corps is applying heavy pressure on the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske with yet another failed attack. In the Marinka operational area, Donetsk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Pavlo Kirilenko reported that Marinka was shelled continuously through the night. The GSAFU reported repeated attacks on Ukrainian positions, which were unsuccessful, with Worgonzo also reporting that the Russian offensive failed. Worgonzo also reported that Russian forces attempted an offensive in the direction of Pobida, which also failed. In the Vukhladar operational area, the Russian MOD claimed that Ukrainian forces used reconnaissance in force to probe defenses near Solotka. Rybar claimed that Russian forces were on the offensive north of the Mikhilsky Daches. The Russian MOD also claimed that Ukrainian forces probed Russian defenses near Shevchenko and also claimed that a Ukrainian ammunition depot in the same settlement was destroyed. Quick assessment. It's been a while since the Russian MOD released a combat report that implied they lost territory. We currently have Shevchenko coded as under Russian control. The hamlet is a single street with fewer than 20 homes, so we will not update the map at this time. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Ukrainian officials reported that Russian forces conducted 59 fire missions, seven drone attacks, and one airstrike along the Zaporizhia line of conflict. The United Kingdom Ministry of Defense shared satellite images that show Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia Nuclear Power Plant, or ZNPP, have set up sandbag-reinforced firing positions on top of all six nuclear reactor vessels, which is a truly terrible choice. This is the first time that Russian forces have integrated the core nuclear facilities into their defense, dramatically increasing the risk of a nuclear accident in the event of on-site combat. The International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, had not released a statement at the time of recording. In Russian-occupied Melitopol, collaborator Oleksandr Mishchenko was killed by an IED placed near the entryway of his home. Mishchenko died in the hospital from his injuries. Mishchenko was the head of the Priyazovsky police station before the Russian occupation, 
became a collaborator and convinced some of his employees to continue to work for the Russian Federation. Russian collaborator and Zaporizhia administrator Vladimir Zhogov confirmed Mishchenko's death. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported 14 Black Sea Fleet vessels on patrol, including two frigates capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles in total. Final repairs to the highway section of the Crimean Bridge from Russia to occupied Crimea are expected to be completed by mid-May. Both sets of lanes are open, but heavy trucks are still not allowed to use the structure. Mykolaiv Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Vitaly Kim reported that the city of Mykolaiv was hit by four sub-launched caliber cruise missiles. The missiles struck a residential area, a historic building, and a high-rise. At the time of recording, one was confirmed dead and 23 wounded. After the attack, the two Russian Kilo-class submarines on patrol returned to port for resupply. Some assessment? This was likely in response to the drone attack on the Black Sea Fleet port in Sevastopol on April 24th. In western and central Ukraine, Russian and Ukrainian forces continued artillery exchanges over the Dnipro River in Kherson. Russian forces completed 65 fire missions on Free Kherson using 386 artillery rounds, mortars, grad rockets, indirect tank fire, anti-tank guided missiles, and drone-delivered IEDs. The city of Kherson was targeted 10 times, hit by 37 munitions. Stanislav was hit by two Russian Fab 500 SE GLONASS-guided glide bombs. Both apparently malfunctioned, based on the accident in Bilgorod last week, landing in empty areas. One person was wounded by flying debris. Russian forces also shot two journalists, and we'll talk about that more in the War Crimes and Human Rights segment. In Dnipropetrovsk, Velika Mikhailivka was hit by at least one Russian Fab 500 SE glide bomb. The settlement is not a G-lock, rail, or road, is not near the front lines, and has no military presence or significant infrastructure. In north and northeast Ukraine, in Sumy, Russian forces shelled Korenok in the Esmen Hromada with flechettes released from 152mm shells. The small projectiles, they look kind of like nails, were invented in the medieval era and are meant to fall like hundreds of tiny darts over a wide area, impaling anything they strike. Russian army aviation attacked the Seredina Buda Hromada, firing rockets into a village and damaging two homes. In the Yunakivka Hromada, the village of Basivka was hit by 18 mortars, wounding two civilians who required hospitalization. The Bilopilia Hromada was hit by 15 mortars, and Shalakhin was shelled by artillery, damaging two homes. On the Russian front near Rizhguba in the Murmansk region, a MiG-31 multi-role fighter plane suffered a catastrophic engine failure and crashed. The crew was able to eject. There were reports of a loud explosion over St. Petersburg, with audio recordings consistent with a sonic boom. There were also reports of a large explosion in Rostov, with no other information at the time of recording. In Kaliningrad, a man in the town of Newman claimed that a drone-delivered IED hit his apartment building. Investigators found evidence of an explosion, but later concluded that the man who reported the blast was responsible, and no drone was involved. 
You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. According to the Military Media Center, Russia has deployed up to 48 brigades and 122 regiments in Ukraine, representing 369,000 troops and about 5,900 units of heavy weaponry. While not all deployed soldiers are directly involved in combat, this level of commitment would represent almost all of the combat-capable forces in the Russian Federation. Operational Command South, or OKS, Director of Communications, Captain Natalia Khomenyuk, said the Ukrainian offensive is already quietly underway, saying, quote, The enemy's facilities are destroyed. Warehouses with ammunition disappear. Equipment concentration points explode. And it, she means Ukrainian munitions, flies to places where personnel is concentrated. We do not underestimate the enemy. We know his capabilities and potential and we work methodically to minimize these capabilities, end quote. Some assessment, Captain Khomenyuk described setting conditions and shaping attacks, which validates our earlier assessment that Ukrainian forces are setting conditions theater-wide for offensive operations. The supreme commander of the Allied NATO Armed Forces in Europe, General Christopher Cavoli, said during a hearing with the United States House Armed Services Committee that he was, quote, confident that we have already delivered the weapons they, he means Ukraine, need and will continue our deliveries to support ongoing operations. End quote. General Cavoli told the committee that Kyiv has already received more than 98% of the promised heavy equipment. There were rumors that Mavic had suspended all sales of the DJI-3 drone due to a patent lawsuit they lost earlier in 2022. While it is true that DJI-3 sales were suspended for a brief period, it was because a new model was introduced, with the older version being discontinued. In Russian-occupied Crimea, a logistics and supply node that contained dozens of military vehicles back in mid-February was barren, according to satellite images on April 25th. Analyst Brady Afric shared the images, but did not provide insight into where the vehicles went. Remember the bright flash over Kyiv? The International Meteor Organization concluded that the incident was caused by a meteor weighing 2 to 300 kilograms and about half a meter in diameter. The space rock flew above Kyiv at an altitude of 80 kilometers before breaking up over the Zhitomir Oblast. The Slovenian government delivered 20 Valuk light-armored vehicles, or LAVs, to Ukraine in complete secrecy. The wheeled LAV is built by General Dynamic Land Systems and is based on the Pandor vehicle. The vehicles were flown out on NATO C-17 cargo planes and transferred to Ukraine through a third-party nation. The variants sent to Ukraine are armed with 40mm automatic grenade launchers. Speaking of explosive, let's talk about the Russian military mobilization and Mir. Pensioners in the occupied territories of Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia, and Kherson were paid at least part of their back pensions almost five months in arrears. More than 100 million rubles were dispersed, according to the Prosecutor General's Office of Russia. 
Russian oligarchs Roman Trotsenko, the 39th richest man in Russia, and Nikolai Matushevsky, who in February 2023 was issued the Order of Friendship by Putin, were recorded blasting Russian President Vladimir Putin and predicting the collapse of the Russian Federation. Trotsenko started, quote, Putin is a moron. This is a bad year, but we will defeat everyone. It's 20 years of pissing in our ears. End quote. People will slaughter each other on the streets of Moscow. The power in the Russian Federation is in the hands of an a- Unfortunately, Russia, which we love so sincerely, ended up in the clutches of some fools who confesses some strange attraction to the 19th century. This cannot end in anything good. It will end in hell. People will kill each other in the streets, cut there on the streets of Moscow. It's just a matter of time. This can happen in five years, seven, ten years, but it will definitely be. It's such a one-way street. End quote. Trotsenko responded, quote, The country was stolen from us, motherland Russia, so it is necessary to do something good in other countries. End quote. Mercenaries with Gazprom's PMC Reddit made a video appeal to President Putin claiming that mercenaries with PMC Wagner threatened to shoot them. Wagnerites issued their own statement, declaring that Reddit, quote, abandoned their positions and weapons at night and f***ed out of there like pissing creatures. We have to plug the holes on our own, end quote. Colonel General Ramzan Don Don Kadyrov posted that he met with his, quote, dear brother Prigozhin, saying, quote, with Yevgeny, we always have something to talk about. After all, we have a lot of similar interests, and quite often we perform joint tasks that you can't talk about by phone. No, I will not disclose details. You will know about the results soon. End quote. Some assessment. This is either one of the biggest psychological operations ever between Shoigu, Prigozhin, and Kadyrov, or political ambition battle lines were redrawn less than a month after it appeared that an agreement had been reached. Chechen Ahmad is irrelevant as a force in Ukraine, so what Kadyrov can bring to the table is unclear beyond forced conscripts into the ranks of Wagner. Kadyrov also released a video showing five platoons, two with 36 soldiers, two with 42 soldiers, and one with 48 soldiers, of the OMON Ahmad Russian Guard being deployed to Ukraine, declaring, quote, it is unacceptable for the Chechen security forces to sit on the sidelines when the enemy unceremoniously encroaches on the most sacred things. Each of those present fully shares this opinion and is ready to make every effort to stop the actions of ill-wishers. I can assure you that they are quite capable of this. End quote. In occupied Crimea and Mariupol, Russian military trucks have been photographed with fake consumer branding to try and disguise equipment and troop movements. Starting in the fall in occupied Donetsk, all school children must take compulsory basic military training, according to the acting deputy prime minister of the self-declared Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR. I guess this part of the plan includes child soldiers? In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is a very minor graphic detail in today's report, but please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. A Ukrainian journalist was killed and an Italian journalist wounded by a Russian sniper near the Antonovsky Bridge in Kherson. The pair passed through three Ukrainian checkpoints wearing full blue body armor with press markings. 
The Ukrainian production assistant Bohdan Bitik was killed instantly, while Corrado Zunino was shot in the shoulder and took a direct hit to the chest that was stopped by his ballistic vest. Zunino said he had to crawl from the bridge under continued fire. Ukrainian officials have been unable to recover Bitik's body due to ongoing artillery strikes. The Russian Federation has not commented on the incident. A quick note, it is incumbent on both combatants to respect and provide reasonable protection to journalists in combat zones. Zunino and Bitik were not embedded with a military unit and operated in what Ukraine considers a yellow zone. We condemn attacks on all journalists, regardless of their national affiliation, when they follow journalist standards, clearly identify themselves as press, and are not embedded with units on the forward line of friendly troops, or FLOT, engaged in active combat. Our deepest sympathy to Mr. Bitik's family, and we wish Mr. Zunino a rapid recovery. Forty-two Ukrainian soldiers and two civilians were repatriated as part of a prisoner-of-war swap. Russia returned 36 soldiers and six officers, including Mariupol defenders. Ukrainian forces released 40 Russian soldiers. Russian POWs captured after September 21, 2022, could face up to 10 years in prison, unless they can prove they had no choice but to surrender due to severe injury or other extraordinary circumstances. In Russian-occupied Kohovka, a 38-year-old man was summarily executed for his pro-Ukrainian stance and was accused of collaboration. The Israeli delegation blasted Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in the United Nations, lighting a candle in memory of an executed Israeli volunteer soldier and walking out of the session. You should watch the video. It's pretty impactful. We do link to it in our full situation report on Patreon. Oleksandr Dubovik, a dual-passport Israeli-Ukrainian national, was wounded and captured by Russian soldiers in Zaitseve on December 23, 2022, and was executed. His death was confirmed on April 22. Dubovik was born in Dnipro and made his aliyah, or right to return, to Israel, where he bought a home, worked, and started a family. He went to Ukraine to fight in February 2022. One of his unit members wrote a eulogy on Twitter declaring, quote, He had a keen sense of justice. He was a Jew, wore a Star of David on his arm, taught us how to pronounce Shalom Israel correctly. At the same time, he said that he was fighting for Ukraine, and even more so for the world of freedom against slavery. That's how he was. End quote. Dubovic was executed by being shot in the back by automatic gunfire. In geopolitical news, Ukraine staged a rescue operation in Sudan in coordination with Germany, evacuating 87 citizens to Poland and another five by bus to Egypt. Additionally, Ukrainian military intelligence officers evacuated 51 citizens of Georgia, Canada, Peru, and the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. President of Turkey, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, had a bout of probable norovirus on live TV, abruptly stopping an interview. He returned 15 minutes later to apologize, saying he, quote, got a stomach flu, end quote. Quick sidebar, there's no such thing as stomach flu, medically speaking. Norovirus, however, is often called stomach flu, and this year's norovirus has been particularly nasty. 
Erdogan is home and has cancelled several campaign appearances based on the advice of his doctors, but will attend the commissioning of a nuclear power plant on April 27th. Turkiya has national elections next month, and Erdogan is facing his career's most serious political challenge. Russia is continuing to use soft power to try and create a frozen front and prevent a widely expected Ukrainian counteroffensive from happening. Turkish presidential spokesman Ibrahim Kalin said that the war unleashed by Russia against Ukraine could not be perceived only as a war between the two countries. He told reporters, quote, They say this is a confrontation between the Russian Federation and the West, end quote. He offered to have Turkey broker negotiations, saying, quote, Instead of continuing the war, let's settle for three or five years of peace talks, end quote. You know, so Russian forces can launch continuous false flag and sabotage attacks, rebuild their forces, and restart in three to five years. President of Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, continued to backpedal from earlier statements about Ukraine and now calls for creating a, quote, peace group, to negotiate a settlement between Ukraine and Russia, saying, quote, There are many topics for discussion. Crimea, other territories, NATO, end quote. With Lula adding that it is not up to him or any other nation to decide who controls Crimea. Quote, this is a discussion between Russia and Ukraine. End quote. Ukrainian President Zelensky and Chinese President Xi Jinping talked by phone yesterday. Zelensky tweeted, quote, I had a long and meaningful telephone conversation with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping. I believe that this call, as well ambassador of Ukraine to the PRC, will give a powerful impetus to the development of our bilateral relations. End quote. The Ukrainian leader told Xi that peace would not be achieved through territorial compromises. Xi said that bilateral relations between Ukraine and China had undergone 31 years of development and reached the level of strategic partnership, saying, quote, Mutual respect for sovereignty and territorial integrity is the political foundation of bilateral relations. End quote. Qi added that Li Hui, a special representative of the People's Republic of China, who is a former Chinese ambassador to Russia, will be sent to Ukraine and other countries for talks on regulating the, quote, Ukrainian crisis. He also said that he appreciated Zelensky's continued focus on developing Sino-Ukrainian ties and cooperation with China and thanked Ukraine for providing significant assistance in evacuating Chinese citizens last year. As part of their conversation, Zelensky announced that Pavlo Ryabkin had been named the Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of Ukraine to the People's Republic of China. Do you hear that? Shh, do you hear that? If you stand still and are very quiet, you can actually hear President Putin screaming. In Cyprus, the Russian Center of Science and Culture Building was set on fire after at least two Molotov cocktails were thrown at it. The United States Congress will consider a resolution demanding the return of Ukrainian territories to the borders of 1991, authored by Congressman Joe Wilson, a Republican from South Carolina. The resolution also demands that the Russian Federation pay reparations and calls for Ukraine to join NATO. Keep in mind that resolutions are non-binding, symbolic measures. In economic news, the Russian Federation has suspended cooperation with the Black Sea Grain Initiative, refusing to agree on the movement of ships through the Green Corridor. 
This comes hours after Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said that the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres is trying to negotiate with the countries that have announced unilateral sanctions against Russia, which leaves Rosiel Hosbank disconnected from SWIFT. He called further negotiations a, quote, dead end. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.